0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Deborah's Healing Kitchen once again. I am Deborah Peake Haynes and I'm excited today to have a fabulous doctor with us. And Dr. Aaron Horn is not just a good doctor, he is a good man. And we had the Uh, privilege of actually presenting together at a workshop Uh, i guess it was within the last two years and it was extremely well received dr horn gave great information he is a cardiologist and i think one of the best in this area of the country if not one of the best in the country and i am just so excited about what he's going to share about what he does and what we need to know so we can have a healthier cardiovascular system dr horn thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today
1: my pleasure thank you so much for having me
0: do you mind just giving us a quick summary of your background um, and then i have some questions i would like to ask you
1: my pleasure so um, again my name is aaron horn jr I'm an interventional cardiologist in the Dallas-Fort Worth area here in Texas. Um, I'm originally uh, from a northern suburb of Chicago, uh, Evanston, where Northwestern is located, and did uh, the majority of my education actually at the University of Chicago. Um, I subsequently did my residency in New York at Columbia University and then did uh, my general cardiology, interventional cardiology, and structural heart training at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, You know, it's truly serendipitous that I happen to be where I am at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I happen to be one of the first people, one of the first interventional cardiologists in the country trained in doing a less invasive procedure to fix the aortic valve, which is one of the main points that I'd like to bring to your audience today. Um, One of the, I think things that we should all be very um, excited about is that the fastest growing population in the united states are people eighty five years of age and older Wow. And the aortic stenosis is a disease of aging so the heart has a left and the right side and a top and the bottom and it's separated by valves so the aortic valve is the valve that lets blood leave the main pumping chamber of your heart and go to your brain and all of your vital organs as we get older that valve starts to narrow and if that, if that narrows too much, then blood can't leave the heart pumping mechanism, and blood goes back into your lungs and causes you to have chest pain, shortness of breath, and pass out. And most importantly, untreated, there is a two-year mortality of 75%. So why am I so emphatic about this particular disease process? I stated that the fastest growing population in the United States is people 85 years of age and older. I noted that aortic stenosis is, in fact, a disease of aging. Mm-hmm. Between 26 and 29% of people 65 years of age and older has aortic stenosis, and one out of every eight people 75 years of age and older has moderate to severe aortic stenosis. So when I actually left my training, I started to uh, familiarize myself with the literature on this topic, and it really struck me that in the United States, only 3.8% of African Americans are actually getting this technology. Mm-hmm. So. It has been my mission to make sure that I do a better job of communicating this disease process to not only um, patients, but also to providers and ensure um, health equity as it pertains to this particular disease state since it seems particularly important at this period of time when we have such an aging population. So, again, thank you for providing a platform for me to uh, share what I think is this very important message, and um, I just want to commend you for your continued work um, in health advocacy and, um, you know, look forward to this continued dialogue.
0: Well, thank you for, you know, opening opening us with the conversation about that because I just learned something about the population of people 85 and older and how fast that is growing. But one of the things that I really appreciated about you is what you said earlier. You're um, into intervention. So we have to take care of it on the front end, and also we have to look at, okay, on the back end, you know, if some things happen or we as we get older, what are the types of things we need to look for? So, in your intervention, could you kind of talk a little bit about that because we've had conversation, and you shared with you know people here um at our church during the workshop about the importance of exercise and eating and how that impacts the body, particularly. As we age, we need to take better care of our temples. So can you talk a little bit more about the intervention? And then I want to shift the conversation to talk about what you think we need to be doing as we are aging.
1: Absolutely. So um, you're right. I am an interventional cardiologist, which means that uh, when patients are in their most um, severe um, Um, most critical cardiovascular state. When people are having a heart attack, I come in and um, hopefully in many instances put in balloons and stents in order to relieve any obstruction that's preventing blood to get to your heart muscle. However, outside of genetics, the majority of those presentations are self-inflicted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we obviously both come um, from a a spiritual background, and I often use the phrase that um, Shirley Caesar used, which is the church should be in mourning because Mm. there's so much more that we can do to prevent ourselves from being in these situations. We know that tobacco use is a killer. It not only increases one's chance of having a heart attack, but it also increases one's chance of having a stroke and decreased blood supply to your legs and ultimately could result in amputation. We know that diabetes is... a deadly killer. It's uh, a cardiovascular risk equivalent. Uh, we know that uh, metabolic syndrome, which is really, um, there are criteria from which you can get that definition or that description or that label. However, most importantly, refers to, um, this is right down um, the, the advocacy that you do, is one's waist circumference. Once you know that you actually, as a man, uh, have a waist circumference of greater than 40 centimeters, then you're at increased risk for um, diabetes and increased risk of cardiovascular events. So while I obviously am... um, you know, grateful to have been trained so that I can treat our patients when they are in their most critical states. My main goal is to prevent them from getting to that space. So right. it's really important that we don't take uh, lightly, um, you know, the low-hanging fruit, which is the ABCs, making sure that you actually are, have good blood pressure control, you have good glycemic control, meaning that you're keeping your blood sugar in line if you are diabetic, um, you're paying attention to your cholesterol levels, you're um, you're staying away from, um, toxins, um, environmental toxins, such as tobacco use, um, because all of those things actually are so important because once you go down that path of needing balloons and spins and obviously if we need those then we're grateful that we're able to do those technologies and we often have great outcomes but then you also then have to be on uh, certain medications long-term and there's costs associated with that and so I spend the majority of my time trying to educate patients about um, the importance of uh, preventive um, cardiovascular care and right. um, the, the reality is, is there's, amount, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that we have to take as patients and um, prevent and help prevent us from getting into those more acute critical situations.
0: Right, right. And I, I'm so glad you said that because you know I I always say to people, you're responsible for your health. You know, your doctor is supposed to be a partner in that, but it's your responsibility. You have to ask questions. It you know what do you do on a daily basis? How are you taking care of yourself? And one of the other things I I really do appreciate about you, you know, I I've seen you in action. And I remember something that you said. You were talking about what we tell ourselves, and as we age, you know, we buy into we have to be sick or we have to be broken down, but you are very affirming that we need to tell ourselves, no, we don't have to be this way. We just have to do what it takes so we can live a healthier lifestyle. So what are some of the things you say to patients that are maybe ill, but you want to give them hope?
1: Absolutely. That's really the critical point that you just made. Um, you know, I, uh, my grandfather was an AME minister, and he used to always say four score 30. And so I think that many of us uh, were raised in a generation in which we believe that if we have lived 70 years, then God is gracious with that and we should be um, comfortable moving on. And right. I would just like to um, challenge all of us um, to consider that God has, in fact, um, blessed all of us in different ways in which in my particular instance has been permitting me to have certain exposures within um, cardiovascular medicine to learn novel techniques to help us to be able to enjoy an ideal quality of life. We're not just talking right. about quantity of life here. We're talking about quality of life. And so what I would urge us to do is when we actually are starting to slow down a little bit, don't just assume that it's because it's the end of the road, but you it's the most important thing that you can do is to have an effective uh, two-way communication stream with your provider. And I challenge everybody, if you don't have that, then you need to ask somebody for a second opinion. because. Right. You are, in fact, a consumer as a patient. And um, that day of just going and just doing whatever the doctor says, is behind us right it's important that we ask questions and we are our own biggest advocates right there might be instances in which um, there aren't any other medications or any other treatments that uh, would be necessary to uh, prolong one's uh, quantity of life while preserving their quality of life however by golly we deserve that information Um, I think that we need to do a better job as a medical community, and we're getting there in terms of shared decision-making, which is trusting um, the not only intelligence but the wherewithal um, of our patients to be able to make decisions that are best for them. And so, you know, when you're having leg pain, don't just assume that it's osteoarthritis. I get on my wife about this. You know, we've got to stop being WebMD. You know, mm-hmm. people like me are in this position for a reason. Don't just assume that that, um, you know, discomforting your chest was just heartburns. So you took some Tums and then presented five, seven days later and things are worse. It's important that we don't just assume that shortness of breath is just because you're getting overweight. It might be that heart valve. And so I do think that we need to do, especially in the black community, do a better job of being proactive about asking questions and then asking as many questions as you can until you get the answer that's helping you wrap your head around um, the particular condition in which you're enduring. And so uh, we do have to obviously take some self-responsibility and make sure that we're eating the right way and what do I mean by that and people know this you should not put any table salt on your food once after it's been prepared we know Mm -hmm. that we need to stay away from polysaturated fats we know that we need to exercise for 30 minutes five to six days a week okay these are all things that aren't only they're going to make you feel better and um, and obviously help us I think have uh, not only a longer life but a better life Mm,
0: well thank you that that's very rich Uh, that information is very very rich and so now what has been your your uh, recent um, conversation or experience with african-american women because we know we tend to die of heart disease quicker than anyone else so have you seen an uptick in you know black women coming to you wanting help wanting to make sure that they are heart healthy so has there been any changes in that?
1: Right, so you know, I think that um, it's a great point that you bring up. And if I can just sort of frame this discussion, um, hopefully for your audience, um, women in general are the people that are least aggressively treated as it pertains to the management of their potential coronary artery disease, right? Mm. If somebody comes into the emergency room with chest pain and they are a white male, they are automatically going to be treated most aggressively for a presumed myocardial infarction, heart attack, and presumably taken to the catheterization lab and treated with balloons and stents if possible. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then you might be interested to know that black men actually are at least are most aggressively treated subsequent to them, and then women. Women's symptoms are oftentimes um, thought to be something other than cardiac in origin. And part of that is because their presentations might be different. It might not be an elephant sitting on your chest type of squeezing sensation, but it might be a jaw discomfort. It might be a tingling sensation that's running down one's arm. It might be shortness of breath, right? And so there is a learning curve and there is a foot, I think a big educational initiative in making sure that we are aware of the fact that women actually present differently. And so I really encourage, um, again, our, um, end users, our patients, our consumers of uh, being advocates for themselves and saying, and you know your body. So, um, you know, it's important that when you go to the hospital and um, they do some blood work and they say, well, everything looks okay, um, don't just say, okay, well, I'm fine with that. I'll just go home. If you know in your mind and in your body that something's not right. You right. need to make sure that you speak up and advocate for yourself because there are different disease states other than just, and obviously, as you can imagine, cardiovascular disease is a, a big, broad umbrella. And so it's not just heart attacks and having decreased blood supply to your heart muscle, but there's other disease states where um, sometimes the smaller vessels that might not need balloons and stents aren't getting adequate um, oxygenation, and there's other ways in which we can treat those things. So um, it's really important, and especially in all communities, but in the black community in particular, where, you know, women really still continue to be the matriarch and are involved in the multigenerational rearing of our families. And so, um, you know, they always say when you get on the airplane, if something goes wrong, you put the oxygen mask over your face first before you put it on your child. So right. it's important that women uh, in particular um, in the African-American community take time um, to tend to their own health first and foremost so that they can continue to be the matriarchs that we count on them to be.
0: Right, right. I I so agree with that. You know, I had a um, in a previous interview uh, with a, a vegan uh, nutritionist chef. We talked a lot about hydration, and so I'm curious. Do you find that you have a, a harder time convincing, you know, black people that? You know, we need to drink water, or is there any type of differences in the patients that you see? Because I'm always, and and I have to look at myself and say, okay, you know, how much have I had today? I need to make sure I wake up in the morning and I drink, you know, eight ounces of water to start my day. But, you know, do you have to convince us more than others we need to drink water? and So many of us are dehydrated.
1: No, it's a great point, and I think that you're um, absolutely right. The one thing that, again, I think one of the take-home messages is for anybody um, that's listening, if you don't have a provider, please get one. Um, because, um, you know, especially within the African American community, we do have accelerated rates of hypertension and um, chronic kidney disease. And the reason why that's pertinent as it pertains to your inquiry regarding hydration, um, there are certain instances in which if the heart pumping function isn't normal, too much volume can increase one risk of going into um, a you know, acute episode of shortness of breath at times secondary to congestive heart failure. So, uh, you know, all things remaining equal, obviously, if you are um, a, a relatively healthy, um, Person without otherwise uh, diagnosed structural heart disease, then obviously hydration is cri- of critical importance. Um, but however, it is important that you are aware of what other diagnoses that you have uh, because in those instances um, fluid balance is very important. It's important that um, that type of regimen is tailored with your respective provider.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, that's good. Well, going back to your initial introduction, um, explaining the types of procedures that are available to people um, that are over 85 or as we age those of us that might you know have um, cardiac issues and our cardiovascular system maybe is not as healthy what type of questions uh, should we ask moving forward when we find ourselves in those positions as far as the type of treatment that's available to us because I think sometimes we don't even know the questions to ask when we know that we are having you know issues with our cardiovascular system
1: Right, and so this is such a you know layered the response to this is really multifactorial and it's complicated but thankfully we have people such as you who are helping us try to find answers and solutions um, the point that I was trying to make earlier about the aortic valve disease pathology was that in this older obviously in some instances more frail patient population uh, the procedure that I do is less invasive so historically the only way you could fix that aortic valve was by opening up the chest uh, however now in certain instances we can do it through IV and artery and the growing and that's the reason why Um, Those procedures are particularly um, beneficial in older patient populations. Um, And so the reason why I say it's a very complicated question is because depending on where you get your care, those procedures might not be offered. And Mm. that was the reason that brought me to Dallas, Texas, because I came to a hospital system um, that had a very diverse patient population that it treated. However, um, they did not offer that particular technology to its patients. Wow. And so it's very important that in terms of the symptoms as you get older, chest pain, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, dizziness, those are all symptoms of aortic stenosis. Um, some of those obviously have overlap with um, symptoms as it pertains to heart disease and myocardial infarction as well. And so I think that the question that I would ask your audience here uh, to entertain um, is that uh, whether or not there are less invasive methods to treat um, my particular cardiac condition um, and um, are there procedures that potentially are offered at other facilities if they aren't offered at yours, right? Because Mm. as you can imagine, and I don't think that it's the provider doing anything wrong, if they're great at what they do and that's the only thing that they do in that environment, they offer you that. However, again, as a consumer, you deserve to not have to be a victim of information asymmetry. So that's my goal, to make sure that patients can have access to all of the information so that they can uh, be an informed consumer and make informed decisions.
0: Wow, that is awesome. That that is really really great. I mean, you've given us such a wealth of knowledge and uh, I really appreciate that you know you came here because you saw a need and you know, I I know you have already been a blessing to so many of I have of course referred you to people and one of the things that I think that you possess and you know, there's other very um educated Um, doctors that have great skills but for me there needs to be a really great bedside manner a great spirit because there is a connection and I know you know as an African American woman if I don't like you it's going to be hard for me to listen to what you have to say so I think it's important that we seek providers like you that have a really good way of connecting with the humanity in a person There's a lot of times, you know, I've come across people that have doctors, but they do not connect to their humanity in their patients, and so the patients don't get the kind of care that they really need and deserve. So thank you for your humanity and your connection to people. Thank you for, you know, what you've learned that you're bringing back to the community. I think that's just, you know, really, really awesome. So I'm always praying that you remain healthy and you're able to, know move forward and I've said this on many occasions to our black brothers you know once many of our black brothers get to a certain level of success in life then they die and then they're not here to mentor so many coming after them so I think what you're doing is helping so many live well longer and that's just really really important for our community so is it and is there anything else you would like to share before we close this conversation, and then I would like for you to also give us information on how people can get in contact with you, you know, in your practice.
1: Well, thank you for the kind words. Obviously, um, you know, have tremendous amount of respect for you and all of the hard work that you and, obviously, your husband continue to do in our community. Um, My main take-home points are um, please don't fall victim to being and playing WebMD. Um, Take your health seriously. Okay, there is a certain amount of personal responsibility that we have to accept. And mm-hmm. I understand we're all very busy, uh, but you've got to take time to take care of yourself first. So um, we can all eat better. Um, and for those that smoke tobacco, I guess you guys just must be very wealthy because my understanding is that they're very expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. Save that right. money and put it towards your right. kids college fund. Um, right. But um, make sure that you are developing a good relationship with your provider. And if you don't have a good relationship with your provider, then find one that you do. Okay, and don't just assume that you slowing down is just a byproduct of aging. It might be something that's correctable. And, um, you know, the reality is, is that it's a blessing that we're an aging population. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, because as you know, and you've been very uh, <laughs> welcoming um, to the fact that I have a young family. And, mm-hmm. you know, having generations evolved in the rearing of our children, meaning having grandparents evolved and to the degree that's possible, great-grandparents involved, that just enriches the life of our children. So we mm-hmm. have to do what we have to do as it pertains to our health to keep our families and our community intact. Um, I am in practice in um, Dallas and in the uh, mid-cities um, have offices and, Um, Arlington and North Richland Hills, I work with the um, HCA Corporation, Um, I can be reached at 214-937-9198, again, 214-937-9198. really appreciate the platform and um, just want to encourage um, your listeners to be engaged and be encouraged because Mm -hmm. um, I think the best is still in front of us.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Aaron Horn, Jr., and I hope that I can grab a few more moments from you in the near future to come back and share with us again but thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule i pray that your family continues to do well as you and your wife do so many great things together and so thank you all who have listened to this awesome interview with dr erin horn and if you want more information about deborah's healing kitchen please go to my facebook page deborah's healing kitchen And I would love to hear from you. I would love to get your email address, so please go to www.DebraPKanes.com. Give me your information. We will have new and exciting things coming up in the near future, so I need to get in contact with you if you are interested in Deborah's Healing Kitchen. Thanks again for listening and look forward to our next session.